Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. footage of the beautiful islands of Fiji. Fiji consists of uh, 300 different islands uh, that sit in the beautiful South Pacific Ocean, uh, about 1,100 nautical miles from New Zealand. Fiji is home of, as you're seeing, some of the world's most beautiful beaches and landscape. They have a population of 924,610 people. Fiji uh, is ripe with abundant forest and natural minerals and plentiful fishing resources. Fiji is also a, a major exporter of sugarcane and exceptional water. You know, I've, I've looked up a lot about Fiji. I know some facts that I've shared with you today. I thoroughly enjoy their water, even if it's overpriced. But I've never actually experienced Fiji. I've never walked on her beaches. I've never taken in the, the beauty of the culture or the landscape that she offers. You know, it's very easy for us to gather information about God, to have thoughts about God, to even carry with us right beliefs about who God is. We can show up to church on Sunday and hear about God. And even with all of that, still never actually experience God. To never truly gaze upon his beauty, experience his presence, see his moving in our lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. Way back in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, you can find chapter 33. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. Many of the verses will come up on the screens today. I would like to speak to you a message today that I have entitled, I can have as much as I am willing to go get. I can have as much as I'm willing to go get. God, as we open up your word today, would you fall afresh upon your people? What today is 
we look to the Bible as the authority of our lives, would we be impacted by your word today? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you do something deep in the hearts of every man and every woman sitting in these seats? Would it be undeniable today as your word goes forth that every person that leaves this place today knows that they've been with God? Would today, Holy Spirit, you supernaturally shift our thinking you supernaturally shift our hearts? Would it be clear today as people go to their cars and they travel home that you did something in their lives today? We give you all glory, we give you all praise, and we ask God that you would speak to us now in the name of Jesus, amen. In Exodus chapter 23, uh, before I read our, our text for today, I want to give you some context. What has happened is that God's people, the Israelites, if you know any of your, your Bible or biblical history, or if you don't, it's okay. Don't be intimidated by that. There was a man named Abraham that God called to leave where he lived, and he promised to Abraham that he would build a people through Abraham, and Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. And so you'll read throughout your Bible the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Over and over again, you'll see that reference. Well, the people of God journeyed with God. They were growing, and then they became slaves in Egypt. And they grew in Egypt, and their population grew, and they were enslaved by the Egyptians and they were forced to do hard labor for over 400 years. And then God called a man named Moses. And he said, Moses, I want you to go. Many of you may know some of the story. He spoke to Moses in a burning bush and he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. Moses says, who, who do I say sent me? And God tells Moses in what may be one of the most powerful pieces of scripture, I am who I am. I am who I am. I cannot be anything but what I am, which is the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God that has all dominion and power over all things, so you simply say he is who he is. Moses reluctantly obeys and he finds himself with Pharaoh and he demands that Pharaoh let the people go and if you know anything or you've seen the movie or you've heard the stories, these plagues come and they disrupt everything and then Pharaoh eventually lets the people go and they go out into the desert and God's leading them to a place called the promised land and they're stuck between the Red Sea and the charging army of Pharaoh because he changed his mind and the Red Sea parts and they cross through and the Red Sea swallows up Pharaoh and his army and they go on and they travel on. Well, as you begin to see this story unfold, what God is doing all throughout the Old Testament is building a people. He is showing a people his holiness. And there's this moment where the people rebel against God and they build an idol. 
a golden calf, and they worship this calf as Moses is away with God, getting instruction for the people. They build this golden calf, and they are worshiping this idol made of gold. Well, it infuriates God because God wants no other gods but himself for his people. And so God says early on in Exodus 33, Moses, I want you to take these people and just, you can go. Go to the land that I promised you, but I will not go with you. Go, it's yours. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Nothing about the land has changed. Nothing about the goodness of the land has changed, but I will not go with you. My presence will remain away from you. And Moses is like, uh-uh, we can't go. I know this is a stubborn group of people. I know that they made you angry. And God petition, or Moses petitions God for the people, and, and we get to this point in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 18. Uh, and I'll give you a little bit more context. Uh, the people then are like, no, we can't go without the presence of God. And it says that there was this tent of meetings and it was outside of the camp and that is where Moses would go. And when Moses would go to the tent of meetings, all of the people in this community would walk out and stand at the front of their tents in anticipation of what would happen. And Moses would enter into the tent and it said a pillar of smoke would fill the tent and there in this pillar of smoke, God would meet with Moses. And Moses would come out and he'd have instruction for the people. Well, Moses in verse 12 says this. You have been telling me, speaking to God, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said to me, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? What will set us apart? What will make us different if we don't have your presence? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Now I want you to think about this with me. Because today's message will involve a level of thought on your part. You have this man, Moses. Think about the things that he has experienced with God. His first encounter with God 
He hears the voice of God speaking through a burning bush that isn't consumed. I don't know about you. Might not need much more than that. So much so that he's standing in front of this bush. And you know what the bush tells him? Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Then Moses goes to Pharaoh. And if you read your Bible, you see all of these insane things happen. A river turns to blood. A staff he throws down and it turns into a snake. Frogs by the millions invade Egypt. Locusts, flies, boils break out on all the people. These crazy things begin to happen. Moses sees all of this firsthand. Then he sees, as he's leading the people out of Egypt, a cloud that leads the people by day or by night. Or by, yeah, by day. And then in the evening time, a pillar of fire that leads the people. And then he sees an entire army. Well, first he sees an entire ocean separate and walks through on dry land. Then he sees it fall upon the army. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, and I know that there are people that are skeptical about these things. I believe that they are true. If you experience that, then you went to a tent and this cloud came down and you spoke to God. How much more would you need? How much more would you need of God? Moses, I would argue, experienced more with God than probably any other human being. He was a friend of God. The first person labeled as a friend of God. How much more would you need? Yet in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, I want more. God, I've seen your working hand. I've seen the miracles you've done. I've talked with you in a, a pillar of, of, of smoke. I, I have experienced all of this but I want to see your glory. I want more of who you are. Show me your glory. The Bible says that God says, I will show you my glory. And it says he tucks Moses, he tells Moses to go in the crevice of this mountainside and he says, listen, I." I will show you my glory, but you can only see the backside of my glory. I will pass by you because to gaze upon the fullness of my glory would surely kill you because of my holiness. But it says that he goes by Moses and Moses experiences the glory of God. You know, for most Christians, Experiencing God is a 10-minute quiet time, a daily devotional, a prayer journal, possibly some worship music on a playlist and an hour or so of church on Sunday. Now, I would strongly argue that all of those things are good things. They're helpful things. 
In no way today am I suggesting that you should bail on your quiet time with God or that you should throw away your worship playlist or that you should stop attending church on, on Sunday. In no way am I suggesting that. All of those are good and beneficial for us as followers of Christ, as the people of God. But if, if God is infinite, if he is eternal, if there is no beginning or end to God, to his existence, doesn't there have to be more to experiencing him? Could it be, could it be that we have limited experiencing God to the convenience of our schedule instead of pursuing God for the limitlessness of his glory? Production team, leave that up there for a minute because I think people need to read that, maybe take a picture of it, write it down. Could it be, I'm just proposing today a question for you to think about. Could it be that in this world that we live in, in this existence that we experience, in the culture that we've been raised in, in the mindset that we carry, could it be that we have limited, even in, even in what we've been taught in church and what we've experienced growing up, sitting in the seats or attending a children's and youth experience and the things that we have learned along the way, could it be that we have limited experiencing God to the convenience of our schedule instead of pursuing God for the limitlessness of his glory? You see, the reality, the reality, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, and I think a, a level of growth, of spiritual growth, involves a deep level of honesty with ourselves. You see, the reality is, we know how to go get what we want. Oh, we know how to hustle, we know how to grind. We know, you want that job enough? Oh, you'll do what it takes to go get it. You want that promotion? Oh, you'll do what it takes to get it. You'll put in more hours, you'll work harder, you'll strive more, you'll learn more, you'll go back to school. You want that promotion, you'll go get it. Married folk, maybe just like remember back the first time you saw her. For ladies, you pursued the guy. Remember the first time. I'm going to go get her. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to do whatever it takes. The athletes in the house want to make that team. You want to secure that position. You will do what it takes to go get what you want. We know how to go get what we want. It's a mindset that we have. Listen, this, this permeates our culture, and it is a good thing. It is what makes our country great. It's what makes the entrepreneurial spirit of, of so many people great. It's what builds wealth within the family, it's what develops athletes and doctors and lawyers and people who help in all different realms of our society. So I'm not saying 
that going after these things is a bad thing. I think a grit and a tenacity, in fact, to some degree, I'm a little bit fearful for, 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 for the next generation, and that's why we want to put a huge focus on it. Because to get ahead in life, to accomplish anything, takes a level of dedication and commitment in a mindset that says, I'm going to go get what I want. It's not a bad thing. And we apply it. We do. We apply it to so many areas of our lives. We have this mindset for just about everything we want in life except God. You see, because here's the hard truth, and I would encourage you to write this down as well. Going after more of God usually means leaving behind more of me. Going after God usually means leaving behind more of me. You see, we say we want more of God. We do. Think, maybe we don't just say it, we desire it, we yearn for it, we long for it. And there are seasons throughout the year, the new year. There's maybe moments along the way where there's these dates on the calendar that make sense, that remind us of God and how oh, we want that. Or we find ourselves distant for a while and there's this longing within us. And we're like, I just, I want more of God. I do. I desire it. I long for it. We say we want more of God, but at the end of the day, we're just unwilling to give up what it takes to get more of God. You see, we're, we're busy people with goals to accomplish and career, careers to be made and families to raise, friends to please, shows to watch, phones to scroll, teams to support, who want God to fit into our lives instead of fitting our lives into God. And again, if we could just be honest, it's why as Christians, we still feel discontent. We want God, we do. We just want the things of the world more. And now before you leave today thinking, man, that guy just deflated my entire balloon. Listen, I'm not preaching at you, I'm just preaching with you. I think this is something that all of us wrestle and struggle with. I don't, I don't really know, and I know that we wrestle with bad things, I know that we wrestle with sin and temptation and things like that, but when it comes to desiring more, uh, of God, I think when Paul is talking oftentimes about the struggle between the, the flesh and the spirit, this deep longing we have to experience more of God, the flesh pulls us back to all of these things that keep us so busy and distracted and the things that, 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 that we think will bring contentment to our lives. And so we surrender to Jesus and we hope that somehow just miraculously we will all of a sudden feel contentment, but we have an 
eliminated the things that are actually bringing the discontentment. And so we actually journey through this life as Christians discontent. And my heart for our church as we enter into this year is that we would experience more of God. And when you experience more of God, you know what happens? Contentment comes. Contentment comes. But to experience more of God means that you have to be willing to leave some of you behind. Because following Jesus always involves sacrifice. I wanna to read to you a little bit of a long portion of a book that I've been reading or finished reading. It's called The Pursuit of God by an author named A.W. Tozer. So bear with me as I read through this. I'm gonna call the band up to, to load as we get ready to wrap up here in just, just a bit. We'll make sure to, to post this or to have it somewhere so you can go back and reference it because it's not gonna come up on the screen. So, so just bear with me because I wasn't quite sure if I was going to read this but felt compelled to do so this morning because there's these times where somebody just says something so much better than you could ever say it anyways. And so, so listen with me if you will. Why do some people Find God in a way that others do not. Have you ever, has that ever been a question in your mind? You look at somebody and you see that their, their relationship with God or you just know as you talk to maybe somebody who's journeyed with God for a long time, you're like, golly, there's just something different about them. Why is their experience with God seem so different than mine? Why do they seem to have more of God's presence? Why do they seem to worship on a different level? Why do they seem to just radiate something different? That's the question he begins with. Why do some people find God in a way that others do not? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggle along in the half light of imperfect Christian experience? Of course, the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I am not more favored by God than you. We are all his children. God loves us equally. He is all he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. You see, the difference lies not with God, but with us. Pick a random score of great saints whose lives and testimonies are widely known. Let them be biblical characters of, or well-known Christians of post-biblical biblical times. You will be struck instantly with the fact that the saints were not all alike. Sometimes their unlikenesses were so great as to be positively glaring. How different, for example, was Moses from Isaiah? How different was Elijah from David? How unlike each other were John and Paul, St. Francis and Luther, Finney and Thomas A. Kempis? The differences are as wide as human life itself. Differences in race, 
nationality, education, temperament, habit, and personal qualities. Yet they all walked each in his day upon a high road of spiritual living far above the common way. Their differences must have been incidental and in the eyes of God of no significance. In some vital quality, they must have been alike. What was it? I venture to suggest that the one vital quality which they had in common was spiritual receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven, something which urged them Godward. Without attempting anything like a profound analysis, I shall simply say that they had spiritual awareness and that they went on to cultivate it until it became the biggest thing in their lives. They differed from the average person in that when they felt the inward longing, they did something about it. They acquired the lifelong habit of spiritual response. They were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. As David put it neatly, when thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. So listen. We can have as much of God as we are willing to go get. But getting to God doesn't get achieved in one encounter. In one service, or with one message. It is an ongoing journey of fully pursuing him. But on this journey, I would strongly argue that there are catalytic moments. There are, maybe better said, catalytic decisions that can advance and deepen your connection with God. You see, because you have a choice in this. The choice belongs to you. The scripture says that if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. But that scripture in the visual sense is not of a God way off out there that is saying, if you just start Halfway along the journey, I'll meet you halfway. No, God is saying, I am right here. I have always been here. I will always be here. You see, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He permeates the earth all over the place. And you can go to work and you can be at school and you can operate in your family and you will be in the omnipresence of God. Yet the eyes of your soul never look up enough to experience the manifest tangible presence of God in your life. This isn't about what we can see with our physical eyes. It's what we can see with our soul. Does my soul thirst and long for the things of God? And when I feel that thirsting and I feel that longing, do I shout inside of myself, God, show me your glory? 
No matter what I've seen and no matter how I've seen you moved or no what I've experienced along this journey so far, you are inexhaustible. You are eternal. So God, I want more of you. And if you want more of God inside of you, you have to say, I'm willing to leave behind whatever it is you ask me to leave behind so that I can experience more of you. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you to join me and our team and our staff and the elders of our church in radically pursuing God over the next 21 days. I want you to pursue God. I'm inviting you to this. The decision's yours. I'm inviting you to pursue God like you've never pursued God before. I'm inviting you to spend the next 21 days with us in prayer and fasting. Now let me take a moment to explain fasting. You may have come today knowing that we were gonna enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting and you probably thought you were gonna get a message and all the ins and outs of how to fast and why to fast and all of that. Listen, fasting, let me just say this about fasting. It's, it's not something that was designed to get something from God. It was something that was designed so that we could experience more of God. It was so the eyes of our soul could take precedent over the eyes of our flesh. It was so that when we see things in our lives that we want and we desire or we have or we're striving for, our eyes of our soul actually are lifted and say, you know what? I want God more than that. So each person in this room that wants to pursue God radically over the next 21 days has to decide what it is that they will fast from. Many different things you can fast from. There's many different ways you can fast. The point of fasting is not to be legalistic, to experience God. The point of fasting is not to lose a couple pounds. It's to experience God. The point of fasting is not to develop greater self-discipline, although that may be a result. The point of fasting is to experience God. The team here has put together an incredible resource page on our website. If you just go to trademark.church and you can click the Renew My Soul banner, or you could scan the QR code in the seat back in front of you, or the links on our Instagram account. And there are suggestions on fasting. There's some reasons for fasting. There's resources. This book, amongst other books on there, you, all you gotta do is click the link and it'll send you straight to Amazon. You just swipe, be there tomorrow. Your children today are receiving a 21 days of prayer coloring book. There's a journal, beautiful journal that our team has created. I think it's the best visual piece that we've ever created in our church. We have such amazing, talented people. 21 days of prayer and reflection that you can do. Prayers of saints of old. You can also get the digital version for, for free. If you want the physical copy, you can 
purchase one after church today. But what I would like to do as we start this year and conclude our time together today is actually going to involve a little bit of effort on your part, maybe a little bit of vulnerability. And to see back in front of you, there's a, there's a little card that I would ask everyone to grab. If you need to pass one to the people next to you, you can. It just says, 20, renew my soul, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then on the other side, there's, there's really kind of a question, something that I want you to think about and to, to ponder. Eduardo, could you please bring those forward for me? Put them on the stage, please, if you will. Just spread them out. On the back of this card, there is this statement. It says this. The one thing that is keeping me from getting closer to God is. I don't want you to put your name on this. I don't want you to overthink this. Because if you would just for a moment close your eyes, go ahead and do that all across the room. And listen to me ask this statement one more time. What I believe is that the Holy Spirit will tell you immediately what that is. And it may be what you need to consider fasting from for the next 21 days to say, God, I know that this is what is keeping me from experiencing you to a greater degree. I offer it to you. I set it aside so that I can experience more of you. The one thing keeping me from getting closer to God is And I would just encourage you right now to write that thing on the card. There should be pens there in the seat back or if you even need to ask your neighbor. And then I'm gonna ask you to do something that involves a physical action because listen, you can hear something, you can see something, you can write something down, but if we don't actually take what we've heard and what we have consumed and add some physicality to it, some practical action to it, seldom does it actually take place in our lives. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is the worship team leads us in worship for just a few more moments is that as you feel led and you know what that is that you're writing down is to simply come and drop it in one of these boxes. If it is something that you don't want anybody to even accidentally see, fold your card over. We're not gonna do anything with these cards except pray for you over the next 21 days that God would help you to set whatever it is aside and that in these next 21 days, you would absolutely radically experience him to a greater degree than you ever have in your entire life. And so if you will, be so bold to do that as the worship team leads and then I will conclude our service in just a few moments. Jesus, my everything. 
of God as you're willing to go get. We're going to conclude service today with communion. The elements are in the seat back in front of you, or if you're on one of the front rows, it's right beneath your seat. You can prepare those elements. You peel back the top layer for the bread and the bottom for the cup. about this dynamic of relationship between God and humanity. It, it was humanity that rebelled against God, which severed the union and the connectivity. And it was God who restored that connection, that relationship by sending Jesus to die on the cross. Whatever it is that you may think about God, whatever difficulties with theology or the Bible or church you may actually have, what you need to know about God above all other things is that what God desires most above everything is relationship with his connection, with his creation. He wants you. 
He wants your soul over the next 21 days to be renewed. He wants you to see him in a new light. And with Moses and all that he experienced with God, it actually pales in what we have in Jesus. As we've said many times here at Trademark Church, because of Jesus, as an individual, as a person created in God's image, you have full access to him. And so I pray that these next 21 days, because of the broken body of Jesus and his blood, you would know, you would know that God loves you, that he wants everything for you, and that he is not far off, but he is near He wants you to experience his glory. The great saint Augustine said this, thou hast formed us for thyself and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. Jesus' body was broken on a cross so that we could be restored. As we start this year, Trademark Church, let's remember the broken body of Jesus together as we take of the bread. And his blood was poured out as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of men and women. And so as we start this year, let's remember the atoning blood of Jesus as we take of the cup together this morning. God, we praise you. And before we leave this place, I pray over every single one of these cards that has been dropped in these boxes. Father, I I, I don't know what is on them. I don't know the names of everyone who dropped in these things. But here's what I pray you do. You know, you know. And I pray that right now, Father, as we leave this place, that we would go get all of you. That whatever it is that is on this card, you would give these people by the power and the strength of your Holy Spirit the ability to say, I am leaving this behind. And even at a minimum for the next 21 days, it is sitting on a shelf, it is going away, it is getting buried in the sand. I am going to put it aside so that I can experience God. And God, what we pray is that the people of Trademark Church would experience you. That the eyes of their soul would be lifted up. And that you would show them your glory. We pray this in faith pray this with authority. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, hey, I love you guys. Happy New Year. Make sure you go to our website, check out all the resources for fasting, pick up your journal on the way out if you'd like a physical copy. We love you. Looking forward to seeing what God does in and through you. 
Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church Podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.